0: Thank you very much. My name is Lyra. My pronouns are she and her, and I am an alcoholic, an addict, and a codependent. And uh I enjoyed coming in and, and speaking on sex so much a couple days ago that uh Donnie asked me if I would just come back and she, they told me to bring my, my boy, and unfortunately I don't have him with me, so I brought Ferris instead. Say hello. Um so I'm, I'm gonna talk a little bit about uh, my own experiences, what happened uh, and and what things are like now and how I got here. For um, your warning, I am gonna talk about some heavy stuff, uh, just very briefly, very generically, I'm going to be talking about some trauma, just trying to not not to, to say like, oh, you haven't heard this before, you know, you, you gotta hear it again. But rather to to give you some context, uh, and 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 hopefully you will you will identify with some of it too. So, uh, for those of you who have not already clocked me, I am a transgender woman. We'll get to that in my story. It was quite a long time in the making, uh, and uh, we'll just go ahead and start at the beginning. My childhood was not a happy one. I was one of those people who drank to forget. Um, I had a lot of spiritual trauma growing up. It was, it was not fun. Uh, suffice it to say, I, I was born into the Catholic church. Uh, I went to a Catholic grade school, which went about as well as you can expect, especially since I started to, uh, to better understand my gender identity around the age of six. Yes, that early. Um, I tried to explain it to some adults who I trusted and it did not go well. So back into the closet that I went for 20 some years. Um, but there were other things, too. Things that, you know, do, you don't ever expect to handle being, you know, a, a, the third of three children, uh, the baby, as it were, uh, the unplanned baby at that. Yes, I I was 10 years difference from my middle sister. Uh, that was a menopause that, that did not take. So uh, there were other things that made life unnecessarily difficult in the beginning. Um, my eldest sister, Amy was murdered on our front you know, front la- front lawn. Uh, she was being picked up by her boyfriend when I was eight. So this was just two years after I tried to come out, and uh, he, he shot her, and he shot himself. And that was really difficult to reconcile, especially when you are already questioning, is there a God that loves me? Because if there is, why the fuck is he doing this to me, right? Um, it was incredibly difficult to reconcile uh, the the spiritual... Malady already forming in me at the tender age of eight and six. Um, because here here's this cast of people who do not ex- accept me for who I am. And they're also telling me that my sister was murdered for a reason, for a divine purpose. And um, that was really not an okay thing to tell a child. Um, there were some other things. That made life unnecessarily tough, um, but they're they're par for the course, you know. Divorces, messy stuff, uh, daddies who who love and push away that kind of stuff. So, what I'm trying to impress upon you is that I kind of came into sobriety thinking like I'm just broken, I'm defective, um, I'm mentally ill, I'm crazy, uh, I'm depressed, anxious. Uh, post-trauma- post-traumatized, post whatever, I, it can't be done. Nothing can be done for me. It, I'm a lost cause. I am just supposed to self-medicate until I expire. And that was the attitude that I, I, I took with me into my young adulthood and my teenage years. Around the age of 13, I started to get into uh, webcamming. I got into boys, first of all, had my first boyfriend at 13 and it did not go well. It was an extremely abusive relationship. One of those kinds where hurt people hurt people. Uh, He was a very disturbed individual and neither of us knew what the heck we were doing because we were both kids. Um, I, I got into webcamming shortly after because I found out that uh, back then you could just get on any old uh, chat bot, AIM, Yahoo, MSN, and you could turn on your webcam and strange people would just throw money at you. It was great. Um, I got addicted to that kind of lifestyle. I got addicted to being a hoe at the tender age of 13. Um And the the extra pocket cash was great because all of a sudden I was independent. I didn't need anybody else. Um, That's not true at all, of course. I needed other people. I just felt that way. Um, But that's a dangerous power to give to a child. Uh, By age 15, I was actually getting sexually active. Um, And By the age of 18, 19, um, I, I learned that people would actually pay me to have sex with them. And I thought that was fucking fantastic. Sex was the best. Orgasms were the best. When I first learned about masturbation, sex was my first true love. I wanted to push that pleasure button over and over and over and over again. And I didn't care if it stopped working. It never did. I just had to push it more often, right? Um, and I had to try new things. I had to keep keep pushing the envelope. And so alcohol wasn't even my first love, sex was. And uh, I carried that with me into, into college, even my early college years. I didn't start drinking until sophomore year in college. I was a late bloomer. Um, I mean, I had had my first drink in high school. It was like an amaretto and Coke or something, something really weak and and generic. Um, but it didn't really click until I was a sophomore in college. Um, my my whoring got worse, much worse, or better. It helped me identify who I am and what I want to be, um, and it helped me. Learn social skills, how to interact with other people, uh, how to handle a situation where you have something that someone else wants. I learned a lot of skills from being a hoe. And thankfully, I think I probably did it in the safest way that I probably could have because, uh, well, look at me, I'm not trafficked today. So um, I'm grateful for the experience and the learning experience, especially. I would not recommend that life. Um, it is valid work, it is exhausting work, and it takes its toll on you, it costs a lot. Um, So I'm in full swing now by this point, and I'm I'm getting involved into the alcohol scene, and I love it, I love the way it makes me feel, Um, and the worst part is, is that I never want it to end, I just want to feel like this all the time sound familiar um i didn't actually get into quote illicit drugs until my adulthood um (sighs) marijuana was pretty heavily criminalized where i grew up it it was scarce i mean we were we were meth capital usa so if you want meth we got you but pot Mm, pump your brakes there kiddo uh my first exposure to quote hard drugs was uh, pills. Um, I found out that after I graduated and moved into the uh, into the adult world and started adulting, um, I found that there were very resourceful people out there, people as resourceful as me and they made me a deal. They said, hey, instead of giving you cash, why don't I give you a few pills? nice i thought that doesn't seem so illegal in my mind for some reason i'm not buying drugs i'm trading i'm bartering i am making a deal i am using what i have as a resource and he is gifting me something in return how lucky um that beget the really bad drug seeking behavior that 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 was the beginning of stealing uh, taking extra, <laughs> rummaging through pants before leaving the next morning. Uh, that that was the extent of my um, dastardly sort of sort of stuff. I've never been very good at lying or or weaving the web., uh, but boy, I could wake up right before he could, and I could shake those jeans until something came out. So, Um that was where I was. Real tough spot to be. Um by the full swing of things, I have no self-esteem. I am 65, maybe 70 pounds heavier than I am today. I know it's sounds impossible, but I was just I was bloated and it was all of the liquor. I was drinking half a handle a day half a handle that's the big one the one with the little knobby the, the handle hence the name the 175 and i knew that i was going through half of one a day because i would buy one and it would never last me for two days i'd have to go out on the second day and get another one i'm like what the hell's going on how am i going through this so fast um it was just second nature uh, my my drink of choice was vodka yeah, I could mix it with anything especially vodka um and it just went well with ice I had one of those blenders that made me into slushy I just had vodka slushies and um I drank all day I had to because I was real bad real real obvious um at this point I'm I'm 28 and I'm being told by doctors you are dying you have organs that are on the verge of failure, your pancreas is swollen to the size of a grapefruit and your liver is trying to do the same thing, except it's not even shaped like a ball. So it's like a football. And, um, I can't keep food down. I'm just constantly passing, sorry for the grossness, constantly passing bile out my, my, uh, my anus. And I, I, that's all that happens. That's all that happens when you're dying of organ failure. You can't eat, you can't shit, you can't do anything. You just sit there and suffer and die slowly. And the slowly part was part of my problem because I wanted to die at that point. Um, I was okay with it, I welcomed it, but I did not realize that I was going to be dying so damn slow. And um, at this point, I bounced in and out of rehab centers, uh, especially suicide wards. <laughs> um, I could not get a psychiatrist to see me for the life of me. So I was constantly in and out of those places until I was a regular. And they just said, we're not going to keep you more than a couple days from here on out. We're not going to keep you the full week because we know that you're not going to try and kill yourself in here. Um, and that was all fine and good, but it was just wait until I got outside. So this is where I'm at. This is this is where I was. And um, this was back in 2018. And uh, I didn't know what else to do. I, I People had told me, you can't just run away from your problems. You can't move away. Uh, at the time I had a boyfriend in, uh, New York state, I thought for sure the answer was just move out there, be with him, get affirmed, right? It's new fucking York. Get
1: affirmed, uh, start over. The thing was, that was never going to work out. No.
0: Um, there was still way too much drug use, way too much codependence in that relationship. It was never gonna happen. And um, and I so thank my higher power for not allowing me to rush into that, for saying, hold on, I got something better for you. Even at this point, I'm not I, I'm not even agnostic, I am spitefully atheistic. Like, don't even talk to me about religion. I don't care what
1: kind it is. You don't drop that G word on me. So I, I have been told by
0: these old timers, because I did try to go to go to meetings uh, with minimal success out in Bumblefuck, South Dakota. If you don't know where that is, it's in the middle of nowhere. Um And the town's not actually
1: called Bumblefuck, it's called Pierre. Uh, There weren't a whole lot of resources. There wasn't much to use other than people who had way more
0: sobriety than I could even imagine, really. People who were like doing this for life and not a whole lot of young people who were like, convince me, you know, convince me that it's worth it. Why should I get sober? World kind of sucks. Um, and I was told, you know, you can move, but that's not going to solve your problem. Your problem is going to follow you. And so it was with a lot of reluctance that I moved down to Des Moines, Iowa, uh, one whole whopping state away. Still, that's like a whole country away for you, uh, European folks. And, um, and it's it was revolutionary. There was something about the night sky. When I moved down here, I stood and I looked up at the moon and the stars and I said, this is different. Even the sky box looks different. Even the stars, there's something different about this place. I'm going to be able to start over. And that might've been my first encounter with faith. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know what else to call it. It was this sense of everything's going to be all right. I don't know what I'm doing here. I didn't have a job. I quit my stable job, which wasn't so stable anymore after I showed up to work real drunk. Um, And I moved down here, and I didn't get a job for like two years. I just kind of existed and still expected to die. I figured, well, at least I can die close to my relatives. I can... I can spend time with my nephew, who was just a toddler back then, and and maybe build some re- relationships and memories before I pass. Life has a funny way of humbling us and saying, "Ah, uh, ah, uh, ah, uh, not today,"
1: because there was there was a miracle. I hate using that word. I hate it because uh, the
0: religion that I grew up with feels like it has a cornerstone on that word, you
1: know? Only the J-man can create miracles, right? Uh, There was no
0: white guy on a cross, not in my experience. Uh, But what did happen is I hit the ground running when I got down here. I started attending AA groups. There's many, many, many more here in this, this wonderful city of Des Moines. So many young people's meetings, so many queer meetings. Um, and I, I voluntarily went to intensive outpatient rehab. And before long,
1: I got a clean bill of health. My doctor said, your your liver tests look great. You've made a full
0: recovery. This organ that was trying to kill me just like two years ago is now suddenly much better. By this point, I'm, I'm age 30 and I'm just like, what? You mean I might actually get to live? For how long? Why? What purpose? A lot of questions, um, but I knew that it wasn't just to fall back into the drink and the drugs and the sex again, because why? Why would I? Why would I make this huge journey just to go back to where I came from? So I was abstinent for years. Um, the sex ended when I I left that last relationship. Um, and the alcohol and the drugs were longer. I'm, I'm coming up on five years now, in January, and uh, and it became easier and easier to do the next right thing. The more and more I attended meetings, the more and more I attended intensive outpatient, the more and more I uh, volunteered and 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 contributed to my community. We have wonderful community resources down here that never would have existed in my hometown. I promise you that. And uh, I have volunteered with so many of them, and all of them give me purpose and joy. Purpose and joy were really what I was looking for all along. And uh, my sponsor taught me very early on. He said to me, yes, he, a man. He said to me, two emotions drive all human behavior, and that is fear and love. We run away from fear, and we run towards love. So you need to be asking yourself all the time, what am I afraid of, and what would make me feel loved? And those are some tough questions to ask. I chose to seek it through therapy. Um, I can strongly recommend EMDR for those who have PTSD. I can strongly recommend IFS for those of us who have very active imaginations. And I can strongly recommend CBT. They all did their part in helping me change uh, to act my way into better thinking right to to put the next right thought in queue in my head without having to try too damn hard or t- upsetting the 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 card the, t- the tower of
1: cards right um so i hit the uh, i hit the
0: volunteer scene real hard when uh, covid rolled around 2020 um, many people had a really bad year that year. I had a fantastic year. Sorry, not sorry. Um, I saw a pandemic and in it, I saw opportunity. Uh, I had just recently started a new job, one that I still work at today. It's the best job I've ever had. And it gives me a lot of purpose and joy. There it is again. Um, but as I was still getting kind of situated into it, that's when the pandemic happened. And uh, I panicked because I was a member of these 12 step groups. I was a member of uh, transgender support groups here in the Des Moines metro area. And all of a sudden, we were told, stay home, fuck off, you know, jog on, get out of here. Um, and I said, that's not good enough. We got to keep it going. I, I I, have to do my part. And so a big part of what kept me sober through the pandemic, a big part of what helped me establish that sense of unity and service was just throwing myself at uh, spinning up a new uh, Zoom uh LGBTQ plus and friends 12-step meeting. And it still exists today. It's still thriving, it's still going. It's, it's an online platform that has not changed. Uh, we've had some in-person uh, meetings and, and uh, reunions, but it's a great community of loving people. And um, that gave me a lot of purpose too. I took over that transport group that I I had mentioned. Turns out the uh, the other person who was organizing it at the time didn't didn't feel the same way I did about we need to keep this going. And um, and so she said, if if you want it so bad, you can do it. And not really so much of a way of like, well, fine then you do it. It was more like. Show me how bad you want it. And uh, I've been doing that for over three years now. I've been volunteering every Thursday night uh, and doing all kinds of volunteer stuff for them. It's an amazing cause. And it's the best thing to see someone disenfranchised, disenchanted, ready to give up and say, real life sucks. I'm ready to check out. And see their eyes light up and say, I thought I was the only one. It doesn't just happen in 12-step groups. It doesn't just happen to alcoholics, addicts, and codependents. I believe that everybody, regardless of your genetics, regardless of your background or your upbringing, all that shit that I already shared, a, none of that is a factor in how addicted I am. I believe everybody has the potential to be an addict, to some degree. Uh, my boyfriend, his his drug is caffeine. Uh, he even told me he tried to cut back on energy drinks, and he, the headache nearly killed him. I'm like, see, you're talking my language,
1: right? I get that. I get that, because I'd still be drinking them. Um, and I, I, I see that potential for an addict
0: in that transgender support group that I lead. And because the statistics are freaking awful for queer folks
1: uh, and addictions. And, um, and that gives me hope, seeing people recognize
0: that glimmer in their eye and say, "I am not alone. I am not the only person
1: that feels this way. Um, I never thought I'd get here. I never thought I'd be here.
0: Um I always had ideas of what I wanted to do with my life, and I never had any real uh, direction until adulthood, until recovery. That was the game changer. That was everything for me. Uh, All of a sudden, it didn't matter what I went to school for. It didn't matter all the grades that I tried to get. It didn't matter all the hooking that I did. None of that mattered. Because when I did finally become willing to start believing in something bigger and better than me, I chose to take ancestry and factor that into it. I said, what would my ancestors
1: pray to? What would my ancestors believe in? And
0: I come from a uh, line of Germanic uh, and uh, European, Western European uh, ancestry, uh, Scandinavia. Uh, I have some Viking in my blood. And so I decided, you know what? I'm going to pick out a Norse name for myself when I transition. Lyra means brave, the brave one, literally, or courageous one. And I said, I'm going to start praying to the old gods. I'm going to become a pagan. And that worked for me. You can have multiple higher powers of your own understanding should you desire should that make sense to you? Uh, it makes sense to me. And I make it work. Uh, but it is work. It is absolutely work. And I belong to a small coven of three. And we we take very good care of each other. Uh, we are with, witch sisters to the very last. So these are some of the things that I do did, it doesn't seem like I did them so much as they did things to me. I was just the passenger. I was just experiencing uh, what life had to offer, and it turns out that faith, spirituality, um,
1: (sighs) purpose, joy, um, all of that Took the front seat, and that that was important to me because, to,
0: to give you an analogy, I feel like my whole life has been, for the most part, me sitting in the back seat of my own car called life, trying to nudge the uh, the driver's wheel from the back, like with a cane or one of those grabby hands or something, and saying like, "Step on it, step on it. Whoever's up there, just step on it. We gotta go. We gotta go." So I, I wanted to be hands off with my life. I just wanted to let life happen to me, which if you
1: want to be an addicted whore, you can do very easily. Um, but that wasn't enough. It
0: wasn't enough for a fulfilling life. It needed to be more. And,
1: uh, it wasn't until sobriety that i started really living that life um purpose it looks bigger than me now it looks bigger than
0: aa it looks bigger than my community it looks bigger than my gender and and what sex i was born as it's so much bigger than that because now i'm i'm working for a company that basically manages Medicaid. Uh, for those of you who are familiar with with public health care in the United States, um, it gives me a huge sense of purpose. It gives me a huge sense of purpose to resolve people's problems and to represent people who cannot represent themselves and to try and get their necessary medical coverage, you know, covered. We want to get their medical services covered. That that itself gives me a huge sense of purpose. And it lets me look beyond just my, quote, my people, uh, more than just the queer folk, more than just uh, the, the ad- addicted folk, um, more than just friends, more than just family. Uh, I also worked very closely with children uh before I transitioned I don't know how it would work out for me now just the way the world works but uh I was a substitute teacher for a while and I loved it I loved working with the kids they were the best part parents and and faculty not so much you get those adults away from me just let me play with your kids come on um And I found a lot of purpose in being an auntie to my nephew. He's a very needy, very uh, high-functioning, autistic, neurodivergent child. And I love him with all of my heart. So much so that I unofficially adopted two more. Um, And they give me a sense of purpose. They remind me what I'm working for, why I've got a bank account, why I got money that goes in, why I have these accounts that say transition fund. These
1: are all reasons to live. These are reasons that I did not have. Um, And I have that amazing coven that I spoke of where
0: we have rough times we have hard times we have strife together but we always pick each other back up it's just three women looking out for each other and in of course we get the comments about oh you you three are just swingers just in it for the sex." if only
1: <laughs> if only it's so much bigger than that Um, I hadn't really thought about how I wanted to leave my share with all of you. Um, I like, I like to have a a topic or a, a takeaway or a question in mind. Um, but I also am towards the end of my story and I'm at the, where I am today the things that have led me to today. Uh, I am reminded of a very good friend of mine
0: who says that we are not our labels. I'm a transgender woman. I am an addict and a prostitute in recovery. I am
1: hormonal. <laughs> and, uh, and I have a second chance. And I don't know why
0: I get those. I don't know why I get one. And someone else doesn't. It's not fair. Life isn't fair. Um,
1: But that friend of mine would remind me that you are so much more than all of your labels. You are someone who has ambition
0: and dreams. That's what it is to be alive, truly alive. Um, that's the kind of self-actualization level that Maslow was talking about when he built his pyramid. He said, when we stop worrying about survival, when we stop worrying about where's my next
1: pill going to come from so I could stop shaking. To envision a future for ourselves. And the future looks bright. And I want to know from all of you who are interested in sharing
0: what makes your future bright? What gives you purpose? What pulls you out from the darkest? negative self-talk, the worst treatment that you can give yourself, because we all know we can do it better. Sticks and stones, love, I can hurt myself way better than you can, and I believe you can probably do it too. So I want to know what brings you that purpose and joy. And I want to know about it, even if it's as simple as going to a, a an animal shelter and petting every single last animal. I want to hear about it. So I, with that, I will uh, close my share and, and share
1: the time with y'all. I'm interested in hearing from you. Thank you so much for letting me take a lead, Donnie.